Yes, it was a full day for us uh, yesterday at the conference, and it was a wonderful day because we got to um, celebrate with our Southern Cal Conference and witness the ordination of so many individuals that were called um, to the ministry. But, you know, this was a really good week for me. And the reason it was a good week for me, because I got to hear your stories of how God spoke to you and used you to bless others. And the stories I heard were amazing, amazing. And so thank you so much for sharing those stories. One of these days, I'm going to have to figure out how to get those stories out to you. But it was just so affirming to hear how God was using you to bless somebody, to touch somebody's life, and that you had the courage to listen to that voice. So praise God for that. And today, you know, we were talking about, does God lead you? Yes, he does. But today we're going to talk about, at least for me, how the clearest and the, uh, I guess the most common way God leads me is through his word. Okay, and it's through meditating on God's word. Now, when we when I say meditating, there's a difference between meditating on God's word and reading it for instruction and knowledge, because I do both. Okay, so when I'm studying the word, when I'm preparing for my sermon, and there are a lot of times I do this on my own, I'm just reading it for knowledge. So I've got my commentaries, I've got sometimes the Bible dictionaries, and I'm just going through it, going through it, going, what does it say? The who, what, where, when, why, hows. And I answer those things, right? But there's also a time when we need to read it meditatively. That means to God, how do you speak to me through your word? What do you want to teach me? What do you want to say to me through your word? And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to talk about reading the word for knowledge and instruction because that's important. And I've preached on that before. But today we're going to talk about what does, excuse me, what does it mean to meditate on God's word, because we are instructed in Scripture to do both, right? To do both. And sometimes we could get caught in just reading it for knowledge, right? And reading it for knowledge is important, but we also have to use God's word to allow it to minister to us, to allow God to speak to us through his word. So if you have your Bible, can you turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8? Now, this is after, you know, Moses had died, and he's handing over the leadership mantle to Joshua. Now, I could just imagine what Joshua was feeling like, right? Following in the footsteps of Moses, right? But that's what God had called him to do. And so this is what the Lord is telling Joshua. These are the instructions which I think, no, which I believe that God um, instructs us the same way today. And God says, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate, it, meditate on it day and night so that you may careful, be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So this is how God charged Joshua to handle his word. And the first thing he says, keep the book of the law always on your lips. And he says, meditate on it day and night. Now, it's interesting. When you look at those two things, you would think, okay, they're two different things. But when you take a look at the Hebrew, 
you know, when to keep the word on your lips. Obviously, you think that's more oral, right? Keep it on your lips to, you know, say it out loud. But when you talk about meditating on it, you know, when we read, how do we meditate? We read silently. But if you take a look at both of these past, both of these phrases, it really is saying the same thing for the word mutter. Mutter, meaning to speak with your mouth. So he was telling them that, number one, when you read the word, speak the word orally with your mouth. And when you meditate it, meditate on it orally, night and day. Colin uh, McLeod, a psychologist at the University of Waterloo in Canada, has has extensively researched the impact of reading out loud on memory. He, he and his collaborators have shown that people consistently remember words and, ta- and texts better if they read them aloud than if they read them silently. So reading out loud affects your memory. It allows you to remember more if you read it out loud than if you read it silently, right? And the way I memorized the Old Testament was not Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, oh, what was that? Okay, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. You know, I didn't do that. You know how I memorized the Old Testament? I memorized it through a song. There was a song that we were taught in, in Sunday school, where we sang it out loud And that's how I remember it. And so when I'm talking about where's this book, you know, you know, when you think that I just know it, I am singing this song in my head, right? And and then if I know it's past Psalms, I'll start at the second part of that song, right? But how did we memorize it? By saying it. You know, I was never a, I could never ever be a physiology major or anything like that because to memorize all of your bones and all of your muscles and all of that, I I just can't do that. But somebody told me that they have these cards and they're just reading them out loud. Why? Because reading out loud helps your memory. And so one of the things I encourage you, and, and I think this is what God knew. And so he's saying when you read scripture, Read it out loud. Read it out loud. And that's what he was encouraging them to do. And so when he says meditating on it night and day, what that means is to the gives the idea of knowing it. Okay, knowing it, to have it ready to be used at all times. Okay? We're not just to memorize it or know it just for the sake of knowing it. What he's saying, meditate it so you know it, so you have it ready to use at all times in all circumstances. Because there are going to be times in circumstances when, you, you know, the, um, the Bible verses will just pop in your mind. Right? Pop in your mind. I've been in, you know, these circumstances and then all of a sudden, boom, flee from youthful lust. What do you do? Boom. I had it ready. I said, okay, I'm out of this situation. I'm not hanging around. I'm not sticking around. The Bible says flee, so I'm fled, right? And so that's what he's talking about, having it ready at all times. 
I remember about five or six years ago, you know, the church was doing well financially. And so we were thinking, okay, how could we use God's blessings in our lives? And I remember at that time, you know, as I was thinking, oh, yes, God, how do you want us to steward your funds? All of a sudden, I heard, you know, seven cows, seven cows. And then I immediately knew what that meant. Where did that come from? It came from whose dream? The Pharaoh's dream, whom Joseph interpreted. Remember, Pharaoh had this dream. We had this dream of seven fat, healthy cows, right? And so then they were followed by what? Seven gaunt, skinny, unhealthy cows, right? And so what was that, was, what was that supposed to mean? Well, basically that was supposed to mean that, hey, there's going to be seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine and hunger. And so at that time, through God's word, I wasn't reading God's word, but it was ready. It was ready when I needed it. I said, I believe God is telling us that we need to, this is a time to save. This is a time to save. And this was before COVID-19. I had no idea COVID-19 was coming. But God spoke to me through his word. And since I, I've been reading his word all my life, when that came to me, when God was speaking to me, I understood what he was trying to tell me. And praise God, because we've got some pretty big expenses coming down the road. But since we've been saving all these years, we have the finances to cover these large expenses. See how God uses his word to speak to us? But if I had no idea, uh, seven cows, okay, what does that mean? I'm supposed to drink more milk, you know? I don't know. But since I knew God's word, I knew exactly what God was trying to tell me. Because we see in Hebrews 4.12, the author writes, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And so I get what the Hebrew author is trying to say here. Basically, he was talking about people entering God's rest. And there, there were some who claimed to be Christians who weren't. There were some believers that because of persecution, they were um, tempted to go back to Judaism. There were some who claimed to be Christians. They knew, every, they, they knew the right lingo. They hung out with believers and they did the right things, but they weren't believers. And so what um, the author is saying here that, hey, God's word is powerful and alive and it will take a look at your motives and is able to see whether or not your faith is genuine. And that's what he's talking about. But what I want to say is the Word of God is alive and powerful. We're not just reading a book. We're not just meditating on a book like Aesop's Fables or anything like that. It's a book that's alive because these are God's words. And so this is why when you read Scripture and you understand the meaning of Scripture, and you go back to Scripture, and you read the same thing, doesn't it have dip different applications to you? 
The meaning doesn't change, but the application does. Why? Because you might be facing a different situation. And God knows that. God knows what you're going through. And so as you're reading Scripture, he'll speak to you through a word. Because what? His Scripture is alive. It speaks to us. God speaks to us through his word. And we have to understand that. That's why it's so, so important for us to be reading our Bibles. Like I said, yes, we need to read our Bibles for instruction. And a lot of us might do that. But this is God's primary way to communicate to you. It's through your word. And if you don't open your Bibles, if you're not reading your scripture, it's not like God's going to say, okay, you're not reading your scripture. I'll talk to you another way. No, God wants us to talk. God said, look, I gave you my scripture. You're supposed to know it. So the question is, how do we meditate on scripture? Well, the first thing we have to do, and we should all do this, is ask God to speak to you through scripture. When I meditate on scripture, I spend time in prayer before I read the word of God. And I'm asking God to speak to me through his word. Now, once again, that's a request. I'm not demanding that God speak to me through his word. Because sometimes I'll meditate on his word and nothing, nothing. And that's okay. Because God will speak to me when he speaks to, wants to speak to me. God's timing is perfect and not always in line with my timing. However, when I go and want to read Scripture, medit- well, whenever I go through Scripture, I always pray before script- I read. And I ask God to speak to me through his word. Why? Because it's alive. It's alive. God, is there a message in there that you want me to hear? Right? And then second is approach the scriptures with a humble heart. Meaning approach the scriptures as a learner, not as a know-it-all. Especially for those of you who have been studying the word for a long period of time. And you say, okay, I know this passage. I know what it means. I know what God's going to say to me. No, don't be that way. Go to God with that humble heart and say, God, is there something you want to speak to me through this text? And God will, because God has spoken to me in areas where to encourage me. When I was depressed, when I was discouraged, God's word encouraged me. But God's word also lovingly disciplined me, right? When I was thinking things I shouldn't be thinking, thoughts of anger, thoughts of impatience, you know, thought, you know, or just things I did. You know, I go to Scripture, and God lovingly reminds me that, Dave, this is not the way I want you to live, right? And so he speaks to me that way. And, and so when you go to God's Word, go humbly, because you never know what God wants to speak to you. Don't think that you know it just because you know that passage. Allow God to speak to you with the words that he wants to communicate with you, not with the words that you think God will communicate to you because you know that passage. Next thing is when you meditate on Scripture, 
slowly read through small passages of Scripture. Because when I read for instructions, I'm minimally doing two to three chapters at a time. Because I'm looking at a chapter, what's he saying? Oh, i got to look at the chapter before that, right? And then I look at the chapter after that to try to get a context. I'm trying to figure out, okay, this is in what book? What is the theme of this book in the Bible? And so I'm not going through small passages of Scripture. I'm looking at larger passages of Scripture, right, to understand, to gain instruction. However, when we read meditatively, Read through small passages of Scripture. And it could just be one passage. One passage. Because what do we do? We want to read that passage and boom, let's go to the next one. Right? It said, when you go through small passages of Scripture, once again, what is um, having the Word of God on your lips and meditate it on it day and night mean? Mutter. Mutter, speak it out loud. Silent reading is preferred, is preferred mostly in crowded places or to read faster because reading loudly is slower. As the average person reads about 200 words per minute when they're speaking and 300 words per minute in silent reading. So when you speak out loud, you <laughs> comprehend a hundred minute, a hundred words less than you would do if you read silently. Okay. Now there's a place for silent reading. Like you said, if you're outdoors in a lobby or a crowded place, of course you want to read, you know, silently. However, when you are meditating on scripture, try this. Try reading it out loud. Number one, it helps with the memorization. And number two, it'll help you slow down. Because we can't speak as fast as we think. So read slowly. And finally, apply one thought from Scripture throughout the day. Okay, so let's say you're reading a passage of Scripture. And God, it's about patience, right? And you meditate on patience. And you say, okay, I'm done. Next day, what's my... No. Okay. There's no, when you meditate on Scripture, there is no rush to go from one passage to the next, one subject to the next. There is no rush. So if God is speaking to you on patience and he's meditating, uh, you're meditating on God's word, and you feel, say, okay, you know what? This isn't sinking in yet. Don't go on. Just go back to that same passage and <laughs> meditate it throughout the entire day. Day two. Ah, haven't gotten there yet. It really hasn't sunk in yet. Day three. Keep meditating on the same passage of Scripture till it at least starts to take hold. You're not going to be perfect on it, Right? You're not going to be perfect on it. But when it starts to take hold in your life, that's when you could first start about moving on. Don't look at it as a checklist. So Pastor Jay said, okay, meditate on Scripture, and I'm just going to meditate on a different passage of Scripture every day. That's not the purpose of reading the Scripture meditatively, is to have it take hold 
in your life. Dallas Willard once said, it is better to read one scripture per year and have it impact your life than to read the whole Bible in one year and have it do nothing. Because what's the purpose of Scripture? So you could know it? No. The purpose of Scripture is that you could obey it. So what? As in Joshua, you could be prosperous and successful. Now we have to be careful here. God, the purpose of God's Word is to make us prosperous and successful. But where the, we have to really be careful with this. God's definition of prosperous and successful is very different than our definition of prosperous and successful. God's definition of prosperous and successful may be not for you students here to get straight A's. And sorry, parents, you know, you know kids try, but just because it's not an A, if A, then B. If I meditate on Scripture, I'm going to get straight A's. The Bible doesn't work that way. The Bible doesn't say if I meditate on Scripture, God is going to get me a good job. That God is going to provide me with a healthy and comfortable living in a certain neighborhood. That's not what God is talking about here. When he was talking about success in Joshua's case, he was talking about you are to conquer the land, you are to divide the land among the tribes of Israel, and you are to obey the law. That was success in God's eyes in, in, in Joshua. And so, should we ask God to bless us? Of course. But when we ask God to bless us, we need, and it's imperative that we ask God to bless us with the way that, God, you want to bless us, not the way I want to be blessed. Do you see the difference? So many times we want to be blessed um, with our own definition of what it means to be blessed. God wants to bless us. God wants us to be successful. God wants us to prosper based upon what? His standard of success. His standard of prosperous, not ours. And it's important that we understand that. Because if we think that if we meditate on God's word and that God is going to make us successful and prosperous based upon our definition of uh, success and prosperity, you, are, you and I are going to live a, fa- a life of frustration. And you would want to give up because you're saying, I'm doing what you're saying, God, but you know, you're not coming through on your end. God wants you to be prosperous and successful. And if you meditate on that word and have it ready to go, it'll really save you from the times when you're going to make a bad decision that could have lifelong consequences to your life, right? None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. But we have God's word here to say, if you obey my word, it'll keep you from making these mistakes that might have drastic consequences on our lives. And this is what God wants. You know, God doesn't want to see us hurt. God doesn't want to see us struggle. And he said, you know, I'm giving you this. Not so much, so not so much that you could live a lives of do's and don'ts, right? That's not what he wants. 
But he said, I've given you my word. So if you meditated on day and night, if you could have it ready for you, at ready at the time when you need it, that will help you make godly and spiritual decisions, which will hopefully keep you out of harm's way, right? From your decisions. Because sometimes bad things happen that are out of our control. And as I look at some of the decisions that I've made over the life, and they had pretty bad consequences, it was because I didn't follow God's word. Every single time, 100% of the time, if I had followed God's word, things would have been different. But I chose not to follow God's word. And there were consequences to that. But you know, praise God, that he still redeems that. And if you look at my life, my life is a whole series of me not obeying God's word. And oh, okay, now God, I see why you said that. Okay, you're right, I'm wrong. And I had to suffer the consequences. But God redeems it. God could still use you. And God is going to say, okay, for the times that you didn't follow my word, and the time where you experience the consequences of that. I want you to take that to help somebody else. To say, you know what? I, I was in the same place you did. And these are the decisions I made. And I hope you can learn from the decisions I made when I didn't obey God's word. You young people, it's vital that you obey God's word. Because the same applies to you is that God word is there to protect us to protect us from making the decisions that could have dire consequences on our lives doesn't mean that god still loves you doesn't love you and doesn't mean that god can't use you when you make these mistakes but as i look at look back at my life i wondered hmm what would have my life been like had i not did these things had I obeyed God's word, right? And that only happens when we, what, meditate on God's word and we have it ready to go when we need it. And that's what meditation does. And I pray that each one of you do that. And so if you take a look at your cards, you know, the guided, uh, no, excuse me, the reflective life, the practice on meditating scripture. And what I'd like you to do is if you could just read this out loud, you know, not now, but, you know, at home, you know, read this out loud at home. And remember that keeping the word on your lips and meditating on it day and night, remember the word mutter. I, yeah, when I did that, I have to keep repeating myself because mutter, you say it enough, I go, that sounds weird. Am I saying it? Is that even a word, mutter? But yes, it just means to say it out loud. And then just follow the two practice on it. In the morning, continue slowly reading through the Gospel of Mark, right? Meditating on small portions of Scripture, right? And then in the evening, at the end of each day, uh, reading a few verses of Psalm 86 each night this week. You know, do that. Do that. And see how God speaks to you through his word. You know, today we get a time to, you know, be thankful and to acknowledge God for, you know, what he's done for us on the cross. 
Because it is through Jesus Christ's death on the cross, number one, that we have salvation. But it's through Christ's death on the cross that he was able to send the Holy Spirit to us, who speaks to us through what? God's word. If Jesus hadn't died on the cross for us, the Holy Spirit would have never came. And the Holy Spirit is the one that guides us to all truth. And some of you are wondering, why are we taking communion today? Well, you know, the first Sunday of the month, we had church in the park. So worship team, could you please come forward as we um, take communion? And this is what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, on the night he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread. And when he gave thanks to God for it, he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body that was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this represents Christ's body that was broken for us. You know, and after the, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as you drink it. This represents the new agreement God has for us, that no longer do we have to offer sacrifices for sins, that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, all of our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. So we don't have to live a life of guilt and we don't have to live a life of shame. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to take communion. As a reminder of the gift that you've given us. But it came at a dear price, the cost of your life. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that we receive salvation based upon faith through the death of, of, that you um, experienced on the cross for us. But Jesus, because of your death, you also sent to us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us, to speak to us through your word. And as you sit here today, I would like each one of you to commit, at least for this week, to read the scripture meditatively, to take a small passage of scripture and read it out loud, and to pray to God to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through his word. Not demand it, but ask. And if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, respond to that. But if he doesn't, don't give up. Because God's timing is perfect. And God will speak to you when he knows it's the right time to speak to you. So would you commit right now to do that this week. Father, we thank you that your word is alive, that it's not just a a book to read, but these are your words, Father, that are coming from you, and they have power, 
Father. They provide us wisdom and guidance on how to live our lives the best way because, Father, you want us to be prosperous and you want us to be successful. Father, I pray this week that you would lead us and change our hearts to desire your definition of success and your definition of prosperity and not our own. And Father, that this would be, for some, would be a start of our journey where we would meditate on your word day and night, that we would keep your word on our lips so we would always have it ready to go when we need it to help us, to guide us, especially when we're in situations, Father, where we don't know what to do and we need help, that your word could guide us. But it could only do that if we know it. So, Father, would you please, please allow us to have your word ready to go at any circumstance that we might experience. In your son's name we pray. 